All right, Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32, verses 6 through 7. I'll just read two verses. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, also he coming to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. Oh, boy. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him, and the flocks and herds, and the camels into two bands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us. Amen. Jesus, pray. Amen. All right. Oh, no. The title of this message is Holding On to God Through Tough Times. You see, up until this uh, point, Jacob was already trusting the Lord. Uh, in Genesis chapter 28, verses 13 to 15, what did God say to Jacob in a dream? I am with thee. And uh, when you, anytime when you see that in the Bible, I am with thee, he said, God said that to Moses. He said that to Jacob, um, Gideon. Okay, I am with thee. Remember that because there's going to come a time and many of you in this room have experienced that. You're going to go through some very tough times. And to encourage yourselves or ourselves, remember, God is with thee. And that's what God told Jacob in Genesis 28, I'll be with thee. And Jacob vowed a vow to the Lord. And, and when I said he trusted the Lord, he started tithing to the Lord. He said, Lord, whatever you give me, I'm going to give thee 10%. So he's serving the Lord up until this point and distress hits. So point number one is experiencing distress. So that was uh, Genesis 32. Uh, his bro- he's, now it's time to meet his brother Esau and the messengers came back and they said, man, Esau is going to meet you. Uh, and by the way, there's 400 men, 400 men coming. He's like, oh, my goodness. It, and I know the Lord said uh, he's going to bring me back in peace. 400 men. He's thinking this guy's going to come back and kill him because you remember what Jacob did. He stole his birthright and his blessing. Distress is a big word. How many how many of you in this room have? You're traveling on your servant of the Lord, and then, oh, gee whiz. You know, I was like, see that? Boom. Okay, so Jacob, okay, point number two, Jacob took his distress to God. That should be our action. Like, God, I'm tired of this. I don't know why this happened. I'm there trying to serve the Lord, tithe. You, you got all these bills coming up, overdrafting like crazy. Where's the money going to come from? You got three kids, right? So you tell, you tell that to God. God, you got to help me, all right? So in verses 9 and 12, that's what Jacob does. I, I love this prayer. And Jacob said, O oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said us unto me, return. see, he's reassuring himself. The Lord which said us unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred. I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least. You see, he doesn't, he's not saying he's entitled here. He's humbling himself. The least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, now I'm become two bands. And look what he, he's praying to the Lord here in verse 11. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, remember God, you told me this. I'm young and now I'm old, yet, yet have I seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. Amen. I tithe, we give to missions. You promised us, God, that you'd take care of our family. Amen. All right. That's what he's saying here. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, there he goes again, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. All right. So that's what our action should be when we're going through distress. We take our distress to God. 
Um, point number three, holding on to God during tough times. This is something that Elijah and Pastor Creed and I have been really reminiscing on, right? You go to verse, th- uh, verse 24 of Genesis 32. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the break of the day. That's about 12-hour wrestling match. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. It's very painful, guys. All right. He, t- he just touched him. That shows you how, how almighty and powerful God is. Until the breaking of the- And he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of, of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Most people stop when things get tough. How many brethren, do, you know, casualties, if you will, they were, they were going well and said, man, this is too hard to serve Jesus, man. Uh, I'm trying to serve God, but I got fired. And, and all this because they, they, I, I couldn't work on this. I, I didn't. I refused to work on a Sunday. Like, what is this? They quit. You know, Jacob. Jacob was wrestling God with his with his leg out of joint, his hip out of joint. That's painful. Most people would have stopped, but he didn't stop. That's what we should do, brethren. Uh, holding on to God during tough times. It's worth holding on to God during tough times. Amen. It's worth tithing. It's worth coming to church. Amen. Your family passed away. You know, we shouldn't be out of church. We should be grieving in church with, with brethren. Amen. All right. Point number four, his perseverance was worth waiting on God. It's always worth fully trusting and waiting on God. Don't quit. Okay. And you see that in 26 and 29. Jacob wrestled God for 12 hours about that, you know, sun from, the, you know, nighttime to the uh, rising of the sun. Uh, let me keep moving. The encounter Jacob had with the Lord is referred to. As a Christophany, which is a precarnate manifestation of the Son of God. Just in case anyone has questions about, you know, John chapter 1 verse 18, where it says no man has seen God at any time. But uh, Jacob wrestled the Lord and he held on to him through the pain. He still held on to him. So his perseverance was worth waiting on God. You say, what do you mean by that? Right. Look how it says his life is preserved. I'll read the last of these verses. And he said, let me go. This is right after Jacob's thigh got out of joint. He said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And look what Jacob says. He's like, oh, thank God. I'm not going to get killed by Esau. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. He's beside himself. He's like, am I really, is this, you know, and he said, wherefore is it thou dost ask my name? He's like, you already know who I am, man. And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. The word preserved means kept from destruction, decay, from evil. He knew that God answered his prayer. It was worth holding on to God. Let me tell you, you're about to get thrown out of your house. Keep tithing anyway. He's like, man, this money, I could use it to pay the rent. Nah, hold on to God. Tithe anyway. Because God will take care of you. He'll defend you. Uh, the, the, the application is this. In this life, we can count on the Lord as Jacob did. The same God that took care of Jacob will be with the faithful child of God through tough times. Last verse, read Genesis chapter 48, verse 15, and I'm done. I love this, man. If you're discouraged, this is a verse you ought to read. And I like reading this. pumps me up. 48 verses 15 through 16, it says this. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom 
My fathers, Abraham and Isaac, did walk. Why, why do they keep bringing up their parents? Because God took care of them. The same God that took care took care of your godly parents, like Pastor Creed and his, his father, when they went through tough times, same God that will take care of us. Before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, did walk, the God which fed me all my life, all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads. He said, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. Uh, you're going through a tough time? Keep holding on to God. Amen? Amen. Sorry, okay, so the, the, the title of, uh, of my message tonight is going to be The Power of the Holy Spirit and subtitle, Nothing is Impossible Amen. for God. Amen. Um, I've said where we're going to be studying is 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 through 46. I'll say that's very, very familiar to myself, hence my name Elijah is in there. Um, so I'm a, before I get started, um, I'm actually tell you guys a story that actually uh, that God used to uh, lead me to actually uh, preach this message. So uh, during Christmas break, I was back home in Illinois with my family, and uh, I was with one of my uncles. His name is Uncle Mike, and he was um, he was actually just kind of doing his uncles do talk talking lecturing to me and my younger brother, and he was saying. Um, yeah, he was like, when I was about 10, 12 years ago, I, I ran uh, two and a half miles in 10 minutes, right? And me being a coach, me being very big in the fitness and working out, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. It's two and, <laughs> it's two and a half miles in 10 minutes. That's really, really, really yeah. fast. Yeah, that's a little record. Right, two, mile, two miles in 10 minutes, let alone, is really fast. And um, so immediately I, I kind of sat there and I had to question him, you know, because I'm like, wait a minute, that's my job. This is what I do. <laughs> And um, and we kind of went back and forth with it. And then as I sat there, God immediately spoke to me and said, remember Elijah when he was on Mount Carmel and he ran back to Jezreel and beat King Ahab there uh, while he was riding a horse. Right. And, and, and as I thought about that, I, and I told him about this and, and just enlightened him about it. And uh, Pastor Creed was like, hey, I want you to preach on Sunday. And I was like, dang, well, God, what, what do I preach? And uh that this this whole story just kept really being emphasized to me as, as I was asking God to really put on my heart what He wanted me to share. So, uh, if you guys don't mind, if you guys turn to First Kings uh, chapter eighteen forty one through forty six. So it starts off, uh, and Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stopped thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran unto Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Wow. Okay, so as I read that, I remember the first time I, I read this, and I was like, wait a minute. 
I had to really, really dig deep. It was something about it that just didn't seem right, didn't sound right, especially from a, a kernel view, from a fleshly view. If you uh, go, go to uh, verse 46 where it says, And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So if we rewind and, and, and go back to um, uh, verse 44, I believe, where he... Well, Elijah sends his servant and tell him to go to, to check the sea for the seventh time. And he sees a cloud getting ready to rain. And for, uh, just a backstory: uh, the city or yeah, Jezreel, uh, it was it was a drought in that land. Right. So this was a big deal for rain to come. So God pretty, or God speaks to Elijah to tell him to go back and, and tell uh, Ahab to go back to Jezreel. And so he gives the horse and. Uh, Ahab a head start, right? And so as he's going, as you think about it, right, a horse versus a man, mm-hmm. right? That don't make us. That don't make any sense, right. right? There's no way a horse or a man could beat a horse in a race, right? And yet alone from Jezreel to Mount Carmel, that's thirty one point one miles. Wow! Right, and he beat this horse right on his way. He met him there, right, and he gave that horse a head start, and he went all the way back up. To Mount Carmel, which is a 25 mile incline, right up, and he came down, right, and the and the the width of Mount Carmel is um is five miles, yeah, five miles, five miles, five miles high, 24 miles wide. Okay, so excuse me for that. Yeah, 24 miles wide, five miles high. So and he's already at the top. He comes down. King Ahab and his horse, they're galloping, right? And me and Brother Darren was actually talking about this last night. A horse's gallop, you know, it's 30 miles per hour. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a man's sprint, I think at top speed is calculated at maybe 22 yeah. miles per hour, 20 miles per hour. Right, right. That's that's nowhere near a horse. And this is a, a horse running running at its top, or nowhere near its top speed right, at right. 30 miles per hour. And he was able to pass his horse to get to beat him there. So thinking about that and going back to the title, the power of, of God, right? There's no way in our own human flesh that we can do that. Only God Amen. can give us right. that strength, right? So as we just continue to go throughout our, our daily lives, right? And um, and I go back to, to even the verse uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 48, to whom much is given, much is required. So in order for Elijah to even receive that power from God, he had to be living the right lifestyle. Amen. Right. Right? He had to be living a righteous lifestyle, right. as we would say, right? Or as God constantly reminds us, we must live a righteous lifestyle. So we must do as he tells us to do. We must be obedient to him at all times in order to live a righteous lifestyle. And even going forward to uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 37, where it says uh, nothing is impossible for God. Amen. Right? And I'm constantly reminded of that. Amen. And one of the, the big ways that I like to Remind myself of who God is, is the key word sovereignty. Amen. Amen. Right, which is all knowing, almighty. Amen. He is Alpha and Omega. Amen. The beginning and the end. Right. So, just constantly, just, just really thinking about this, is, is this one passage, along with just the whole book of uh, First Kings, it really spoke to me. And this wasn't the only time when God used Elijah in a, in a special way. And then, of course, Elisha was given a double portion of what Elijah had. Wow. But that's a totally different you know, sermon on another day. So, um, and even going down to uh, um, 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where uh, God or Jesus reminds us to seek, right? You shall, or yeah, seek ye first the kingdom of, of God and, and all his righteousness, and all things will be added unto, unto you. Amen. So whenever we, you know, whenever we're going through our life's journey, as Brother Darian was reminded us, you know, whether we don't, you know, we, we don't have money and we need to pay our rent, the tithe, right? To, to do the right thing. That's what God asks of us, right? The tithe, to come to church, to worship Amen. him, to pray, Amen. right? No matter the circumstance or, you know, the the whatever is going on around us. And I think about even during this time with Elijah, he was on the run from uh, from King or from Queen Jezebel, right? So for him to still constantly pray, right? And it even reminds us too, and uh, and uh, in verse forty-two of of, of chapter um, eighteen, that Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he cast himself upon the earth, so he fell to the to the face of the earth and put his face between his knees, right? And from what I've studied with that, that he was praying, right? He because he knew that the time had come. Right. For God to send the rain. Right. And that's why he told uh, King Ahab to, to, to go back to Jezreel so he wouldn't get stuck out there because the rain that was about to come. It's going to be a lot of rain. Right. And that chariot and that horse wasn't going to be able to move and, you know, and, and, and get him to where he needs to be. He's going to be stranded out there pretty much. Amen. So. Um, Amen. So, yeah, before I say, so that's pretty much all that I, I have to share. Um but one thing that I do want to leave you guys with, and it was something that was just put in my heart and constantly reminded of me, especially in terms of, um, of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, when the purpose of something is unknown, abuse becomes inevitable. Meaning, when we don't recognize the purpose of why God gave us the Holy Spirit or why God um, is blessing us, right? And we just take it for granted. We tend to abuse it. So it's important that in order for us to understand why, you know, God has given us the Holy Spirit or why God has given us Amen. strength, his strength, that we must speak spiritual discernment. Right. right? right. And as Pastor Creed reminded us, I believe it was two weeks ago uh, in, in one of his messages of, um, of having spiritual understanding, asking God. Right. As, 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 as God also reminds us in Matthew seven, the eggs and it shall be given Amen. a seed and you shall find knock and the door shall be open. Amen. Right. So as we continue to just go throughout our daily lives, we just remember to continue to pray, continue to ask God Amen. to give us the strength that we need. And then when he gives us the strength that you need to give us spiritual understanding and discernment to use that strength in the way that he would want us to use it. Amen. So we don't abuse it. Amen. So we Amen. don't ruin our witness or our testimony to someone right. that really needs it. Right. Yeah, that's good. And so that's all I have for you. Thank, Thank you. you. Amen. 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 Amen, bro. Good. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians. Chapter 3. I was cut to the chase. Talking about
your temple. You Amen. are the temple of the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Uh, there's a lot of issue going on in, in, in uh, like Brother Cree mentioned in Corinthians, in the people of Corinth. Okay, a lot of corruption, a lot of carnality. And uh, so uh, Paul showed up and started dealing with some issues. And one of the issues he's dealing with, how they did the defiling of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit. When he gets saved, first thing happened to someone when he gets saved is the fact that the Holy Spirit coming and live inside of you. Right. You're not indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Okay? So that's the very, very first thing occurs. Okay? So when people, you see, go some churches, people are running around the church and jumping up. Oh, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. No, they've got something else. Right. That's not the Holy Spirit. Right. Amen? Okay, when someone gets saved, first thing comes in, they indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And here's, and here Paul addressing an issue. Know ye not that you are the temple of God Amen. and that the Spirit of God dwelt in you? Realize that? Right. That you are the temple of God and, his Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God dwelt in you. If a man defile the temple of God, now this is, the, now I'm, I went on a conviction when I read this over and over. Okay? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Mm. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple are ye? Wow. Which temple are uh, which temple are ye? Are you the temple of the Holy Spirit or are you the temple of something else? Okay? You're supposed to protect the whole your temple. You must not defile God's holy temple. Okay? Uh, let no man deceive himself. Any man among you seeming to be wise in that wor world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Okay? Different issue right there, but let me show you something right here. What the word defile means? What is the definition of defile? When you, word, when you study God's word and you see a certain word in there, don't assume you know what it means. Right. Look, yeah. look this up and say, Defile, definition is, is become unclean, okay, or corrupt, or uh, desecrate, okay. So if, if someone that, that, that is, belongs to the Lord, he is now the temple Holy Spirit. If he, if he starts to go into certain sin, okay, there's a specific sin that God is going to deal with. I'm going to show you in, uh, in, in chapter 6 what, what, what Paul is dealing with, okay. If, if that temple or you being defiled, God cannot use you. Right, yeah. So, what do you work to the Lord now that you are being defiled? Mm. Wow. Okay? God is not going to use you. If something, if you have something that's precious to you, something that he wants to use, and, want, and whenever he wants to use it, you can't use it. Wow. God can't use you. Wow. Okay? Uh, let's go over to uh, chapter 6 real quick. Since we only have 10 minutes. <laughs> Three fornication. Every sin that a man do it without. The old English talk without means outside. Outside the body. Every sin that a man do it is without the body. But he that commit fornication. Okay. Let me tell you something. I know of Christians that they're saved. No doubt they're saved. But they wander off into places that they're not supposed to be. Uh. Wander off to something that start doing things they're supposed to do. And the first thing, I've never seen God deal with a, a, a fellow Christian without first warning. Yeah, true. The pastor will come knock on the door. He come into church. And a fellow Christian say, you know, I'm concerned about you, man. I mean, I see you at certain places. It shouldn't be. You need to watch it. Right. Okay, you need to start be careful where you're going, what you're doing. Uh, and next thing you know, that, that person no longer exists. 
Okay? What is God doing? Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. And defile this temple, and him will the Lord destroy. Okay? When an individual gets saved by the Lord, immediately that, that individual is now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now, let's, uh, there's an illustration that Darren and I were talking about. And I said, I said I might be incorrect about this, but this is what I get from this. Remember when the Lord went into the temple and he started throwing things out? Throwing people out? Now, that's a building. But look at what the Lord does to us when we get saved. Certain things that we have in our life, he starts to throw it out. He starts throwing it out. Okay? When you get saved, okay, Holy Spirit of God coming and dwell to you. He's protecting from, he's supposed to put carnality out, and then the good things start to come in. Okay, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit right there. Now, now look at this. Look at this. Uh, I'm not going to, because we're going to have this again. We'll go to, to a section where, uh, when the Lord cast out devils, and the Lord tells his disciples, he said, when, he, when, when, when the devil goes out, okay, he is now clean and varnished. He goes around looking for something to, to indwelt again. Right. If the Holy Spirit of God, let uh, 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 the Holy Spirit come and indwell him now, the devil says, hey, this is all nice and clean. Let me come in here. That's what happened to us when we start sinning. Mm. You're, God clean you up. Next thing you know, you start going back to the old ways. Okay? Doing things you're not supposed to do. Not, start, not coming to church. Start staying out of church. Once again, the pastor comes. Where were you this morning? I'm concerned about you Sunday night. Where were you? When they start going up, then they start crossing that line. Lord says, you know what? That person is not no use to me now. I can't use him to win souls. He's all tattooed up. Uh, knobs in his face look like uh, a pincushion. Okay, the, the nightclub. What happened to his testimony now? Okay, what happened to his testimony now? Start going off into other things. Doing things they're supposed to do. Somebody call up. Hey, where were you this morning? Nowhere to be found. Then he gets so carnal, he can't talk to that person anymore. Okay, guess what? The Lord says, you know what? Time. I know this guy, uh, 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 a faithful church member. I remember, Brother Creed, man, that gentleman was in the same Sunday school class as teenagers. I went off, I joined the military, came back. After the teenager, I don't see anymore. Most of them don't see him with me and Brother Tyson. Guess what? One day I saw him. I didn't recognize him. He recognized me. And he'll uh, come and drive the bus. It's all he did. Come drive the bus in the morning. Evening, don't see him. Brother Shank will talk to this gentleman. I said, do you recognize that gentleman? I said, I don't recognize him. Oh, that's one so son. Really? Yeah. I said, okay. I said, then I started talking to him. Hey, man, I didn't see you, but, you know, good for you to come. Start coming, start talking about the old days and so forth. And I didn't think he's saved. But the guy would not stay in church. You know what happened to him? Brother Creed, uh, Chang called me up and said, pray for the son. So if I don't want to bring to the family up here. What happened? And I remember saying so son. Yeah. He was found dead in a car in the driver's side. The guy was using drugs. I think he OD'd. Went out there looking for a fix. Hey, let me tell you something. You defile the temple of God. You will the Lord, the Lord destroy. Me too. Right. I'm careful. When I was studying this, I came on a conviction. Wow. Now, how do you, now we're talking about destroying the, the, the temple. How do, you, how do you protect the temple? How do you protect yourself from carnality? 
How do you protect, protect your sin? Bible says we're going to fall into sin. I mean, I mean, you walk out there and, you know, I, I, sometimes I feel like putting on blindfolds when I drive in the summertime because young ladies don't dress right. I'm a man, 150% man. I have no problems with my, what I am or who I am. Let me tell you something. Ladies need to dress right. Right. And because I don't want to see something and all kinds of imagination start going into my mind. Right. Okay? Uh, there's certain things you have to watch on television. Hey, what about the music? Yeah. Okay? That's where it all starts. And then you let your guard down, and next thing you know, you fall into immorality. Yeah. Right. Okay? Uh, how do um, young men fall into immorality? They start reading the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Stop spending time with the Lord. Right. Okay? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay? Let me tell you something. We have no business. I don't, I, I don't care what people do outside the church, in, uh, as far as none of my business most of it, but I don't think that people should be going to movie theaters. Right. Why give your money to a bunch of God-haters? Why give your money to people make them rich, making them rich by the money that God gave you, and you sit there and entertain yourself, listen to them cuss, watching women take their clothes off? That's not a place that God people should be in. We'll leave you with this. Okay. Well, that's it for me. Is it 10 minutes? Go ahead. <laughs> you got one more? Huh? You got another point? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Let's so talk about how you, how, you protect the whole, how you protect yourself from falling in, in, into, to, into sin. The Bible says, what, uh, let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 again. It said, Free fornication, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that commit fornication sinned against his own body. That reminds me something. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Wherefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife? The two shall make one, be one flesh. But I could mention this morning, I was dealing with a gentleman that basically uh, was fooling around his wife. Oh, man. Okay? Now I'm going to tell you something. When a man go, leaves and, and, and to commit gross sin, such as adultery, he's claiming on to, uh, to, to something else. That's not his wife. He's becoming one with something else. And here, what, 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 uh, what he said, what, know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with, with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which is of God. When you, when you cleave on to, to another flesh, you became one with that flesh. Right. Okay? Right. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. Right. Okay? That, 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 that is grieving well. the Holy Spirit of God. Right. Okay? Yeah. And uh, basically, that's all I have. Dear God, thank you, Lord Jesus. Kind of struggle with that, but uh, I came under conviction when I, when I studied on my own. Amen. Thank you. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read in verse, <clears throat> verse number 25. It says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the, prison, and the prisoners heard them. I want to preach a message entitled tonight, How is your attitude this new year? Amen. How is our attitude this new year? I don't know about you, but 2023 has been hard. It's been rough. Yeah, amen. It's had its ups. It's had its downs. But how is our attitude? How is our attitude going into 2024? In this passage, when you go into it, it's a very familiar passage. 
Paul and Silas, they had just come in. They had just preached down by the river. Lydia and her household all got saved. And then they came into town. When they came in, they had a young damsel with a spirit of divination. Started following them. Started mocking them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Paul had enough. He turned around. In the name of Jesus, cast the demon out of her. Amen. Her masters got mad, falsely accused them, and now here we find them in prison. But what is it we find them doing? Again, it says, at midnight, first off, we find them. Paul and Silas prayed. I don't know about you, but if I was thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, I don't know if I could really start praying and be happy. Or if I was praying, I'd be complaining a lot. Amen. If you look previously in the, in the in the chapter, it says that the Holy Spirit told them to go. Sitting in jail, I'd be asking, you know, God, why would you put me here if this is where you told me to go? But no, here we find him praying. Find a remarkable. Paul practiced what he preached. In Philippians 4, verse 6, he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, letting the request be made known Amen. unto God. Amen. Paul and Silas here in this prison, after being falsely accused, beaten, and thrown in jail, started praying. What were they praying for? I always want to think, you know, he may have been praying for the brethren. If you read throughout all of his letters, he constantly told the church he was writing to, I prayed for you. Amen. I prayed for you. Amen. He prayed for them daily. Who else might have even been praying for? Maybe all the lost people that he had just been preaching to in the city. As that damsel was following him and Silas. He was praying. What else do we find Paul and Silas doing? Well, they were singing. Now, I don't know how good of singers they were. I can probably guarantee they probably weren't switching while you're washing the blood with nothing but the blood. <laughs> but they had to be singing something. I don't think it was Jailhouse Rock, Jailhouse Rock either. <laughs> but they began to sing. <laughs> Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen. They started singing. There have been a lot of times I haven't felt like singing. During the rough times, during the Good times. I, singing isn't the first thing that comes to my mind. Brother Darren, I don't think you and Marissa were thinking, hey, I, I'm singing, I'm praising God because my car was broken into. Yeah, I was cussing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 finding out that, you know, my mom, my mom had, had to have surgery or else there's a chance she wasn't going to make it. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't singing. I wasn't praising. But here we find Paul and Silas, they, were, they first prayed, and then they sang. Well, what were they singing? Well, he said in Ephesians, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. Amen. I honestly believe he was back from the scripture he had memorized from David writing in the psalms. He was singing the psalms. Right. He and Silas spent time singing and giving God praise. I just would want to be one of the prisoners that are sitting there hearing, wait a minute. These men came into town preaching the gospel. 
They then cast out demons. And then they were falsely accused and beaten and then thrown in jail right here with us. And now they're praying and singing. I don't think this is the right place for them. They need to go to a mental hospital somewhere. That's where we would send them nowadays, is to a mental hospital somewhere. But in all of that, what were they doing? Well, if we finish off the rest of what was going on in verse 26, it says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loose. So in the midst of all of this, all of a sudden, the earth started to shake. Wow. A few years ago, we had an earthquake here. Uh, well, it was the first time I had ever experienced an earthquake. My mom immediately knew what it was. And then, you know, you look at these tall buildings in D.C., all the, how violently they shook. Everybody started freaking out. If I was a prisoner, I'd have freaked out. And then all of a sudden, my shackles have fallen off, all the doors open. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting away from these two lunatics over two cells from me. But somehow, Paul and Silas' praying and singing became a witness. Not only did they pray, not only did they sing, but they witnessed. And the keeper of the prison, verse 27, awoke... Awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew his sword and would, and would have killed himself, supposing that all the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Amen. What kind of witness did these men have that all of the prisoners didn't go anywhere? They stayed in one place. I honestly have to believe because of their attitude. Because even though in the circumstances that they were in, they had just been brought to this place by God to preach. Falsely accused, beaten, and thrown in jail. And yet their attitude was that they were going to pray pray to God, and they were going to praise Him. They were going to sing. Their attitude, I find, was, you know what? God brought us here for a reason. We don't know what the reason is, but we're still going to give him praise, honor, and glory for it. Amen. So as we go into this new year, I find it interesting. Verse 1 says, and at midnight. This may have been the first New Year's Eve. And at midnight, they started praying and praising. Amen. But hey, let this be the New Year's Eve. That we decided, you know what, 2023 was difficult, but God knew what he was doing. He's going to know what's going to happen in 2024. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to sing. And hopefully the people that are watching you will see something's different and they'll stick around to want to hear what it is you have. How is your attitude this new year? Amen. Well, Amen. Thank you, man. That, those were great, weren't they? Amen. Amen. And uh, it's the responsibility of the local church to train preachers. Yep. Now we have a we have a we have a very very good opportunity because Independent has the college down there, 
and I happened to be the instructor for the homiletics. But uh, really, we need to do more here locally because not everybody can get to that college. And, um, you know, I want to see some preachers out of this church trained and ordained. Amen? Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, everybody that preached tonight had gotten into the Scripture and studied it out. And that's the beginning, to study the Scripture and to mine out the nuggets and to be able to connect, share those things. We have a, we, there's a dearth for preachers. There really is. And I believe that every man at Faith Independent Baptist Church should be able to, if push comes to shove, to stand in and preach and, and share the gospel. And the only way that that happens is that we study the scriptures. Amen. You know, we preach the scriptures. We give you some stuff. We give you some, some starters. Amen? Amen. If you write down the messages, you have a starter. I mean, I, I cannot, I, I preach from the overflow. I cannot give you everything I study for that message because it would take us about three hours. I study all kinds of things. I just, I just, I just mill it over. And, but when I get up Sunday morning, I ask God to just give me what I, he wants you to hear. And if you take that, you, have, you, don't, need, you don't need much devotional printed material. You, if you write it down, you've got it. But study the scriptures, amen? Amen. Amen. If we're going to start a church this year, if we're going to see, seek God in our church, starting a church, we're going to have to find a place. We're going to have to find a place and ask God to give us a man to pastor that thing. And so that's exciting. Thank you, men. Those were a blessing. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, we're going to take about 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to bless. we got some cookies back there and some sodas and some coffee and some stuff. Just, just uh, grab something and sit down and shoot the breeze for a little bit. Get there before Darian. They'll all be gone. He's the cookie monster. Amen? So, so take some time, fellowship, and then we'll have a message afterwards. And uh, a very important message I want to share with you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the food. Bless the tribes. Bless the fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Are you going to appreciate some midnight when you shoot guns No, no. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. <laughs>